0: Strike from victory. Two outs. And here's what you pay to see the best ever. down to final strike. What's going on, Birdland? Stephen here for the Final Strike Podcast brought to you by the Baltimore Habattery. Coming to you after the Orioles' unfortunate defeat at the hands of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays today. I'm sorry, Tampa Bay Rays. I know they dropped Devil a while ago, but still used to calling it that. Um, Tampa Bay improves to 52-25. Orioles fall to 45-28. and 28. So we are three behind in the loss column and seven behind in the win column. Um, we're five games out as of right now. So uh, good series. Uh, we're still three games to two on the season against Tampa Bay, um, which puts us in good position um definitely shows that we're not the pushover that we used to be for Tampa Bay and we're making things a little bit more difficult. So, one to give Tampa Bay a little bit more reason to look behind them because the Orioles are hot on their tail. Um but also give Tampa Bay a reason to be uneasy in the playoffs if we happen to face them. So, um good things happening. A little concerning um was the bullpen in this series. Um both games were a little bit shaky, and I know it only comes down to a couple pitchers. But the fact is, the bullpen's the bullpen, so they're a unit together, regardless of what individuals are doing. Because if you take Felix Bautista, Yannir Cano, and Danny Kulam away, you know then you can say, well, then the bullpen's this instead of this. But they are a unit; they work together. Um, for the series, the bullpen gave up a total of seven hits. Um, or I apologize, 11 hits across seven innings of work, seven earned runs, which equates to a nine ERA at five base on balls, striking out eight batters during that time. Um, their whip for the series was 2.57.1. Um, for those who don't understand whip or still understanding the meaning behind a whip, it's walks and hits per inning pitched. Um, so based off that, they're giving up a, a little over two and a half hits and walks per inning pitched and over the course of seven innings that's too much definitely a problem there are changes that need to be made we didn't see cnl perez pitch which is probably a good thing but there are struggles going on in the bullpen and which led me to look a little bit further into things because um, i wanted to see you know based off the season where our bullpen ranked in things and surprisingly it's a lot better than you would think um looking at it um our worst statistic you know on um, the positive side of things is our ERA is 3.68. That ranks eighth in the majors. Um, we're fifth in saves with 24. Uh, we have given up 110 earned runs, uh, which comes out to ninth best, surprisingly, in the majors. Um, 20 home runs allowed, which is second best in the majors. That's, that's really impressive. Because um, I actually thought that number was a lot higher. So it's nice to see it's not as bad as I thought it was. I guess when you're compacting a bullpen into a small amount of innings, it seems more. I don't know if that makes sense. Whereas when a starting pitcher does it over a period of time, you know, they're pitching more innings at once. It doesn't look as bad. So great to see that our bullpen's only given up 20 home runs, and that's actually second best in all of baseball. Um, 309Ks, which puts them third best in baseball. Of course, when you have people like or Cano and Felix Bautista at the end of your bullpen, you know, Bautista striking out 14.9 batters per nine innings. That's, that's just an impressive feat. Um, so, you know, those are things that you got to pay attention Where my alarms and concerns come from is we've given up 115 walks, which is 22nd in baseball. Your bullpen cannot afford to give up walks. Walks will haunt you. And I know we've had games where we've had pitchers come in and walk two or three batters and get out of it, but still – You're not going to get away with doing that as the season progresses into August, September, October, and even further if you're playing further. Walks will come back and bite you in the butt. Our whip, once again, walks and hits for inning pits, is 1.35, which ranks 21st. So you can see where there's some concern here. We do have 249 holds as a unit, which is 12th best in baseball. So that's middle of the pack. Um... You know, holds are important in the aspect that, you know, your pitchers comes in, you have a lead, and you want to hold that lead until you can get to your closer, your setup and closer. Um, right now, our our trio at the back end of Danny Coulomb, uh, Yannir Cano, and Felix Bautista is arguably probably the best in baseball. I mean, Yannir Cano and Bautista in itself are, are enough for any team to be productive. But there are some concerns because, like, against Kansas City, our bullpen was flawless but Kansas city's Kansas city. It's the worst team in baseball. So, you know, there's a little bit of a question mark there because against Tampa Bay against Toronto, you know, our bullpen is struggling. And, you know, at what point are we going to look at it and realize things have to change? Austin Voth gets taken out of the conversation right now because he's on the IL now, in that aspect, I do believe Austin Voth was a little selfish in the aspect if he's been having elbow issues since spring training, as Hyde says, and he was trying to manage it. It doesn't matter. You know, if it, they, they say there was nothing that could be done to fix it. I'm sorry, rest. Rest. When you have a problem and you're experiencing pain, if there's nothing structurally wrong that you can see, rest is the way to go. I kind of look at it as, you know, yeah, it might explain a lot of what's going on with both this year. But whose decision was it that he was just going to manage it and not do anything about it? And this goes into the whole aspect where I see people blaming Hyde for things. And I think Chris Holt should actually get more more of the credit for the blame. And the reason I say that is I've touched base on this on Twitter and Facebook before. And I think I might have even mentioned it once in one of the episodes. Chris Holt was hired by Mike Elias. Chris Holt worked with Mike Elias over in Houston. Brandon Hyde was hired by Mike Elias. Brandon Hyde did not get to hire his coaches. So when you look at that, there's your first question mark or your first flag that you can put up. Secondly, Chris Holt was not only made the pitching coach of the Orioles baseball team, he was put in charge of the entire organization's pitching. Which means he's the one who dictates the pitching sequences, the preparation, how the programs are deployed, how the pitchers are used, when they're used, and everything like that. I see people constantly bombarding Hyde for this. And yet, Hyde can only work with what he's got. What I mean by that is Chris Holt is telling them daily what pitchers are available, when these pitchers can be used, and how the pitchers can be used. That's why you're getting sometimes you're getting Yenier your Cano pitching one and a third inning or one and two thirds of an inning. Felix Bautista pitching one and a third inning because it's the way it's set up in the program and the amount of pitches that they've thrown that's dictating how this is working. Brandon Hyde is being told how he can utilize his bullpen and in what way he can be utilized the bullpen. So as much flack as Hyde is getting, I think people fail to see the real picture here. Chris Holt has more to do with what's going on with the pitching in our organization as well as the team. And he's not going to answer to Brandon Hyde. He's going to answer to Mike Elias. And Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde are saying all the right things. But I guarantee you, behind the scenes, Chris Holt is making the decisions on how these pitchers are utilized, when they're utilized, when they're being deployed, when and how long they can pitch, and how many pitches they can throw. Now, our bullpen is more than well-rested over the last three weeks because we've gotten some really strong starts from our starters. We've had some pretty good luck when it comes to getting away with things. And what I mean by that is if you look at the game yesterday, our bullpen, three innings, six hits, three earned runs. Your bullpen gives up three earned runs in most games. You're not going to win. Luckily, the Orioles had jumped out to a big enough lead that those three runs didn't come back and haunt them. So, Today, four innings, four and in runs on five hits. Orioles, once again, lose seven to two. You take those four runs away and you're talking about a three to two ball game. You know, different way to play the game, a different way to unleash your offense and pinch hit and stuff like that. We ended up using Cole Irvin to close out the end of the game. I mean, I know he's he's well rested. He's not due to pitch until Sunday, if I'm correct. So, One inning's not going to hurt him, especially with a day off tomorrow. We had a day off the day before. So he's on a long break anyway. So it's just one inning of work's not going to kill him. But it's the fact that we turn to a starting pitcher in the bullpen because our bullpen all of a sudden is becoming ineffective outside of Danny Coulomb, Yannir Cano, and Felix Bautista. Now, Michael Ballman and Brian Baker, I will give a little leniency to. Michael Ballman, because he wasn't made a reliever until the final week of spring training. Okay, so he was always brought up as a starting pitcher, worked as a starting pitcher, prepared as a starting pitcher. There is a difference between preparing to start and working out of the bullpen. It's a drastic difference on how you approach your days, how you approach your evenings and how you approach your practices. So it's a whole different ballgame. So he's still getting the feel for that. He's had some really strong outings. He's had some bad outings. But all in all, he's doing decent. You know, for a first-year player on the bullpen, in the major leagues, technically, he is a first-year player. Um, he did pitch some last year, but he's getting his first full gig in the majors this year. Brian Baker, he's a second-year player as well. Pits extremely well and was effective for us, but I think his issue is there's no set pattern or role for him. He's coming as a setup. He's coming as a pre-setup. He's coming as long relief. He's coming as short relief. He's coming as a situational There's no specific or defined part for him. And once again, the preparation is completely different. Yenier Cano and Felix Bautista, we know they're the back end of the bullpen. They're either going to be setting up and closing the game, and that's it. Brian Baker would be a perfect one to list with Danny Coulomb as the pre-setup guy. Um, and I think that's where the problem is. Keegan Aiken, he was our long reliever last year, and now he's being used more as a short term. So once again, it goes into all the preparation, how you practice, how you prepare, and all that, which I think is part of the problem. Once again, I blame Chris Holt for this because he's not defined how anybody's being used. That's a big problem, okay? I personally still think Nick Vespi should be up on the team. I think Danny Crable should be up on the team. Get rid of Sainel Perez, make Vespi your lefty specialist. Vespi has been closing. Vespi has been set up. And Vespi has pitched in the majors before. He did pretty good last year. He had one bad outing against the Mariners. But other than that, he was pretty strong throughout. He also spent an entire year in the minors not giving up at a single run. I mean, that's, that's impressive. It, it wasn't just a half year, partial year, it was a full 30, 40 games that he didn't give up a run. There's something there, and this is a 17th-round pick. So, you know, at what point does Sayanel Perez get the same treatment that Grayson Rodriguez got where he was being held to a certain standard? Perez has done a lot for the Orioles. He had a great season last year. I, I appreciate everything he's done. It's not there anymore, whether it's because the shift is out of play or whether he's just not finding the zone. He, he just doesn't have it. I think he's had a total of two decent outings all year. He is struggling in every outing he has had whether it be walks hits, runs given up. I mean against the Braves, what did he do He came in gave up or was it the Blue Jays? I'm sorry it might have been the Blue Jays either way he came in in 10 pitches gave up four hits and next thing you know it's a whole different ball game. I, I just I think it's time unfortunately to move on from CNL. And give Vespi his spot. Let him work at it. Joey Crable, he pitched decent for us last year. Not phenomenal, but he pitched decent. But I guarantee he can do a lot better than what Austin Voth has been doing for us. I mean, the guy started the year giving up home runs in five straight games. I think he's given up a total of seven or eight home runs on the season now. And now he's on the IL. So he has a little bit of an excuse to stay out of the conversation right now. But that's got to change. You know, something has got to give. We can't keep going in with a suspect bullpen. I mean, we know what Danny Coulomb's bringing. We know what Yannir Cano's bringing. We know Bautista's bringing. We pretty much know what Michael Bauman's bringing to us. I mean, knockout fastball, high 90s. He's got a wonderful and amazing slider that he can use as a strikeout pitch. And he can give us multiple innings if needed. He doesn't have a defined role, but I think he leans more towards the long reliever, middle reliever type. And he's okay with that, and he's adjusted to that. Um, Deegan Aiken, you know, I'm still out on him because he did decent for us towards the beginning of last year, and then towards the end of the year, he started faltering off. This year, he's had some extremely good games, but he's also had some poor poor games. So, I, I don't know. Um, we have Denawire down in the minors. You know, like I said, we have Crable. Uh, We just DFA'd Spencer Watkins. If he clears waivers, which I'm sure he will, I'm sure he's going to end up back in AAA. But, I mean, it's not like we don't have pitching down on the farm that we can utilize. Um, Speaking of which, um, just had Kate Pavich win Eastern League Pitcher of the Week. And, once again, another fleece job uh, done to the Twins as, you know, another – well, if he turns out the way he's supposed to be, but as of right now, He's looking like he's the real deal. The kid's got talent. The kid's got, you know, discipline, and you know he's 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 gonna only get better. He's in Double A this year. Um, he's five and five. He does have a four eighty three ERA, eighty two strikeouts and fifty four innings. Opponents are batting two thirty nine against him. He does have a WHIP of one point three five. Um, but this week alone, he took a perfect game into the seventh inning before he gave up his first hit. Um, he struck out thirteen batters without walking any. Um. So, kudos to uh, Cade Pavic for his win. Uh, I must also acknowledge Kobe Mayo, one Eastern League player of the week as well. But back to Pavic, um, he's pitched 12 games this year, he's 5 and 5. Now, of those 12 games, he has seven games where he's given up three runs, earned runs or less. Sound familiar? If you pay attention to Brad, it's pretty similar. Um, five games, he's gone five plus innings, which is, you know, if you look at most minor league starting pitchers, they're usually pitching around four innings a game. So the fact that he's getting five innings in his most recent game, he went seven innings. Those are encouraging signs because when you're in the, uh, low a high a, and usually in double a, you're, you're right around the four to five inning mark where they'll cut you off depending on where you are considered in part of their pitching. So. You know, kudos to Kate Povitz there. But, you know, these are the type of arms that we're seeing develop, which I was talking to a buddy of mine today, and we were talking about, you know, how bad the Orioles had developed pitchers in the past. You know, Grayson Rodriguez was drafted by Duchette, so was Dio Hall. Um, Dio Hall, as much as I like the kid, he's a lefty. I'm always going to root for left-handers because few and far between, and then, you know, they, they do have good talent when they are on. Um, but I just – Watson D.L. Hall, I don't foresee him being with us as a starter. If he's going to start, it's going to be for another team. I honestly do think that he's better suited for a back-end bullpen role with his fastball touching triple digits. He's got command issues. He always has had command issues. He walks a lot of people. He strikes out a lot of people. One of the advantages of putting him into a closer role or a back-end bullpen role is he'll probably only face most of those batters once, in the game so he can come out throwing 100 miles an hour forcing them to swing at that fastball and more than likely he'll be able to work out of jams if he does happen to walk somebody i just think Hall's not going to end up starting for the orioles um I, I i don't know how many people are gonna jump on me for that but he won't um mark my words he will be traded he might get a start here and there for us but he will be tried as a full-time starter for somebody else and unfortunately that's the truth but you know the, those were players that were drafted by duchette you know and then when you look at the players Michael elias has brought in kate povitz uh seth johnson chris ellis unfortunately he was injured and he elected free agency but he was a strong pitcher um you you've got um Bronovich is coming back from tommy john he was part of the bradish trade kyle bradish um th- so you know we're, the words still out with Chris Holt and Elias on how we develop pitching because they've only been here drafting since 2019 so you know or 2018 so it's kind of we got to wait to see approach Grayson Rodriguez is probably going to be a project they're tied to the most because he will make his major league debut under the Elias regime with Chris Holt as the pitching organization coach so we'll still see Bruce Zimmerman um I know he didn't do much on up top, and I know the little bit of work he got this year was not great, but he's he's blown away in triple A. There is talent there. Whether it's gonna correlate into being a starting pitcher, I don't know. Um, but the guy did well for us, you know, before he got injured last year. Um so or the year before, you know, it's there's something there. Um, then of course you have Drew Rom, you know Zach Peek coming back from Tommy John surgery, um, Seth Johnson, he's coming back soon. Um, we have pitching, we have pitching. Of, fortunately, most of it's going to be in Double A and below right now because of where they were drafted with Elias. So um, we'll see. It's a wait and see approach. Elias is part of the the regime and houston that like to trade for established starting veterans uh when they were on world series runs and usually you could get them with a couple years on their contract so you had them around for a little bit um so there's that we'll see what happens going forward but speaking of elias and you know his picks and everything i've got to give him a pat on the back with the aaron hicks signing um discussed it a couple episodes ago i said it's a wait and see approach we'll see what happens um, well, wait and see. We're 18 games in with Aaron Hicks. Uh, he's played 18 of the 19 games he's been with the Orioles. Uh, been on base for 15 of the 18 games. He had one sat time where he was back to back games without getting on base. So, uh, just to give you an idea of the difference of his season with the Yankees, he played in a total of, um, Thirteen games, twenty-eight games. I'm sorry, he played in a total of twenty-eight games this year. He bet he slashed one eighty-eight, two sixty-three on base percentage with a two sixty-one slugging percentage. Um, he struck out twenty times uh, to only seven walks, which is very odd for him. Uh, three strikeouts to every walk is way off of Aaron Hicks' even career average. So there, that that right there should have told you something was up. He had one home run and only five RBIs. Um, of his 13 hits, he had two doubles. He scored nine runs. So it, it's just New York just wasn't there. And, you know, one of the things I mentioned before with Aaron Hicks is maybe the pressure of playing outside of New York will be completely different, which could be a reason to help him um, improve. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, seeing what happens in Baltimore across 18 games with us, so Garros ten fewer games, he's batting three twenty one with a four twenty four on base percentage. I say that again, four twenty four on base percentage with a slugging percentage of five seventy one. Um, strikeouts thirty two strikeouts to seventeen based on balls, so that's more around his norm. You know, every two strikeouts to walk. Um, I'm sure we'll see that improve. He's not an easy out at the plate. He will strike out some, but he's not an easy out. Um, he's got two stolen bases. He didn't have any stolen bases this year for the Yankees. So he's got two stolen bases for us without being caught. He's had four home runs. He has 15 RBIs. Mind you, this is in 13 less at-bats and 10 less games. He has a triple, five doubles. Um, he has a total of 18 hits. He scored 12 runs in the 18 games. So he's, he's definitely a big positive signing for us. Definitely a breath of fresh air filling in for uh, Cedric Mullins, who, by the way, him and Mountcastle last night started rehab assignments with the Norfolk Tides. Um, haven't checked out to see how they did yet, so that's something we'll look forward to and possibly talk about next episode. But uh, Aaron Hicks definitely was a strong signing. Austin Hayes, um, he's, he's moved up into the top of the lead for American League batting average. Um, for today, he actually was... Tied for second in all of baseball, so uh, Austin Hayes is having a quiet, steady season. Um, so definitely, please get out vote for Austin Hayes for the All Star game because the kid definitely deserves it. We touched base on this last episode, but uh, Aaron Hicks has been a breath of fresh air. When Cedric Mullins comes back, we might have some decisions to make. Uh, Ryan McKenna might unfortunately be DFA'd or sent. Um, if I don't know if he has any options left, but is on the 40-man roster, so we're going to have to consider that. Um, definitely something to consider. Ryan O'Hearn, another phenomenal pickup in the offseason, went through spring training with us, just missed the team, and has been a breath of fresh air filling in for Ryan Mountcastle. Um, he's slugging over 1,000, he's batting 324. Uh, so, you know, between, Mount, or between um, Hicks and. O'Hearn filling in for Mullins and Mountcastle definitely has been a smooth transition and it wasn't the hiccup that you originally anticipated. There was a little bit of a bump at the road at the beginning with Mullins. You know, he is a spark plug to our offense. So I'm not saying we don't miss him. What I'm saying is the offense kind of stalled for a little bit. Aaron Hicks and Ryan O'Hearn have helped refresh that and bring that into a different, different outlook. Um, you know, uh, I think Josh Lester is probably going to be sent down as well. Uh, we got Anthony Bemboom back. You know, there is that with uh, McCann on the IL. You know, Bemboom was probably the most logical choice at catcher for the simple fact is he does know a lot of the pitching staff. He knows a lot of how the signage works and everything like that. So easy transition. Not, not strong offensively, but definitely defensively is pretty decent backup. And we'll definitely need that. Uh, so, you know going into a weekend series where you play uh night game day game and another afternoon game you're definitely gonna have to have adley rest one of those games but uh we'll see what happens with uh mullins and Castle. hopefully this time next week they're back it'd be nice if we got them back in time for the seattle series i doubt it uh i guess it does depend on what they do what they did last night and tonight you know there's a possibility don't know how strong of a possibility, but there is a possibility we see them in time for, you know, the Mariners, which would be a big, big boost. So we'll see what happens. Um, at this time I'm going to wrap up episode 14. I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, I want to thank Baltimore Battery for giving me the platform to be able to do this. Uh, don't forget to head over to the BaltimoreBattery.com. Check out some of the articles we have on there. Uh, you know, the most recent one's going to be a recap of the Orioles uh, race series today. Zach Bucklow has a recent article where he um, discusses Aaron Hicks and Ryan O'Hearn. Definitely worth reading. Jason Benowitz has a great article about how baseball um, and his grandfather brought him together through baseball and how it made and made him the person he is today because of it. So head on over to the BaltimoreBattery.com, look up the articles let us know what you want to hear let us know what you'd like to read uh leave some comments we appreciate comments um thank you the baltimore battery like i said for giving me the platform i also want to thank scooters for rent my sponsor uh for giving me the ability to do this if you're ever out in the maryland delaware eastern shore area and you need mobility products whether it be mobility scooters um beach wheelchairs electric wheelchairs manual wheelchairs or lift chairs uh Call Scooters for Rent, 302-280-6203. Tell them that Steven sent you from the final strike. And they are the fun alternative to the walking. So until next time, Birdland, I want to say peace out. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on the next time. Code Orange, we are out. As spawn one strike from victory. Much pay to see the best ever. Marons and Johnson on this pitch in left field.